When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's going to give you a rundown of how this exclusively Texas equestrian weekend went. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. Spring season is here, and the competition has returned. So with that, let's do some Some meat recaps. So all of this weekend's meets took place in the Lone Star State, and things got started on Thursday with the meet of the week, undefeated Delaware State at undefeated TCU. Now, I thought this would be a 13-6 TCU win. Let's see how it went. Fences went 3-2 for TCU. Okay, we kind of figured that. Then on flat, that went 5 nothing for TCU, which I kind of thought that Delaware State <laughs> would do a little better than that. Um, so there you go. It was all TCU there. Uh, and that event basically sealed the meet, uh, cause TCU has a very strong Western squad. So if you don't get points from them in the jump and see, you're probably not going to beat them. Um, horsemanship went three to two for TCU and reigning went three to one for the Horned Frogs as well. That gave us a final score of 14 to five. So while the final score was close to what was predicted, uh, the way TCU handled Delaware State in the jumping seat, it should kind of wake everybody up because, like I said, we knew that they had one of the best Western teams in the country, but if they can get this kind of performance out of their jumping seat riders, then they are going to be tough to beat. For the Hornets, even with this loss, this is still probably the best team that Delaware State has ever fielded, so they've got to be happy about that. Um, this is probably going to be a pretty good season for them. Um, they just want to kind of put this loss behind them and see if they can get better. And they didn't have long to do that because the very next day they traveled over to SMU and they rode against the Mustangs. Now I predicted this one would be 11 to seven win for SMU. Let's see what really happened. Fences went three to two for SMU. Flat went five to nothing for SMU. Horsemanship went four to one for SMU and reigning went three to one for SMU. So they won all the events. You add that up, you have a total of 15 to four. So that was the same score as the previous day. Uh, honestly, I think the, the Hornets underperformed a little bit, uh, particularly on the flat, maybe in horsemanship too. Uh, but here again, we're seeing that going on the road is just very, very tough. For SMU, this was a great start to the spring for them. It shows that they're still one of the top teams, even with that somewhat embarrassing road loss that they had to Fresno State last semester. Then on Saturday, we're going to stay here in Dallas and we're going to recap the meet between familiar foes South Dakota State and Delaware State in a neutral site, 4-on-4 meet, which was hosted by SMU. Now, I thought this was going to be 12-4 to uh, in favor of Delaware State, but it was a lot closer than that. Fences was a 2-2 two two tie. Flat was a 2-2 two two tie. Horsemanship went 3-1 to one for Delaware State, and reigning went 2-1 to one for South Dakota State. That created a very close final score of 8-7 to seven in favor of the Hornets. 
So Delaware State, they got the win, but it was not easy. They probably felt a little beat up after this road trip, um, but they really need to just go back, see what parts of it they can use to get better. Uh, otherwise, things are going to get really tough when they have to uh, travel to UT Martin pretty soon. For South Dakota State, Man, this was almost a very big weekend for them. If they could have taken down Delaware State away from home, this would have been big. But they didn't, so that's kind of how it goes. Um, then they had to basically turn right around and face SMU in another meet. So let's look at that one. With this one, now, I figured this was going to be a blowout. I figured it would be 16-2. to Let's see what really happened. Vince's went 4-1 to for SMU. Flat was a 5-0 sweep for SMU. Horsemanship was another 5-0 sweep for SMU. And Raining was a 3-0 uh, sweep for SMU, which is it's not really a sweep. It's, a, it's not a dirty sweep either. It's a double dirty sweep. So that made the final score 17-1. So hats off to South Dakota State's Julia Verkhoven for getting the Jackrabbits' lone point um, in fences there. She defended their honor. So yeah, like we said, real good weekend for SMU. They continue to look good at home for South Dakota State. Things could have gone better, but there's still some meets in head of, ahead of them for the, in the spring, and they do have a chance to improve. So we'll see how that goes. All right, now let's look at what figured to be the closest meet of the week going in, Georgia at Baylor. Now, I predicted this one was going to be close. I thought it would be a 10-8 victory for Georgia. Let's see what really happened. So right out of the gate, fences went 5 to nothing. But it went for Baylor. <laughs> and that is not a mistake. Baylor swept Georgia in fences five to nothing. So right there, you gotta know something's up. And and I cannot recall the last time that Georgia got swept five nothing in fences. In fact, I really don't think it's happened since I've been following the sport. I even went back through Georgia's uh records on their website kind of incomplete so it's hard to do this for every uh every meet they've had but i gave up somewhere in the mid-teens uh of, of the 2000s so i think this is like the first time in maybe a decade that georgia has been shut out uh five nothing in fences so this was crazy uh georgia just just does not get blanked in fences like this and it happened so very shocking way for the for the meet to start uh, I mean, darn, you look at back at some of those great Auburn teams where they had Taylor St. Jock and Michaela Langmire and, uh, you know, uh, Emma Kurtz and, and yeah, all them, uh, Eva Stearns, even those teams never got a 5 nothing sweep out of Georgia. So, in fences. So, this was, this was crazy. Um, so, anyway, after that, Flat went 3-1 to one for Baylor. So, again, this really just compounded uh, Georgia's woes. Uh, typically, they're very good in the jumping seat, and they're just getting hammered. So that made the score 8-3 to three for Baylor. Uh, just three more points, and, the, and the, the meet's over. So horsemanship, that went 3-2 to two for Georgia, which is, you know, finally they get an event that they win there. Uh, that made the score 10-6. to six. And uh, but, but really the best that Georgia could do at this point was force a tiebreaker, and they would have to sweep reigning 5 nothing to do it. They almost did, um, but almost ain't good enough. Baylor took the second point of the event, and that sealed the victory, and then I guess it didn't matter what happened after that because, you know, whatever. Uh, Raining did end up 4-1 to one for Georgia, but uh, even that was kind of hollow because, you know, the day had gone so badly for them in the jumping seat. So that made the final score Baylor 11, Georgia 8. Huge day for the Bears. Uh, they had a very rough fall, uh, you know, they only won the one meet there against Fresno State at home. People were questioning what was up with the program. Folks were panicking. I was panicking about that. Uh, just mass hysteria. 
But here they are at home starting off the spring. They put together a great performance, particularly in the jumping seat, and they, and they win the day. And frankly, when you look back at it, um, I had them fairly highly ranked in the preseason because they have talent on the jump and seat side. And this is the kind of performance that we've been expecting out of Baylor, but we haven't really seen until now. Well, you know, we saw it. So good job, Bears. Uh, If you keep this up, you're going to play your way back into Ocala, probably. Also, I want to give a shout out to freshman Rainer Riley Couchet. Uh, she sealed the victory with that point down in raining uh, and prevented it from being just a, a complete uh, a choke job for them. So good job uh, uh, for Riley. Now for Georgia, they just have to be sick of this performance. As I said, it was uncharacteristically bad in the jumping seat. Giving away all five fences points just does not happen to Georgia. So they really need to go back and look at things and just see what they can do differently because they've got to have those jumping seat points if they want to compete with the rest of the top teams. Now let's veer away from the dual discipline world and check in on the single discipline meet between Dartmouth and Texas A&M. So in these jump and seat only meets, you normally see the dual discipline schools slip in a rider or two that doesn't normally start so that they can get them some experience in actual competition. And they do this pretty much because they know they're going to win regardless and they just want to, you know, test out some of the younger riders. But I don't think A&M did that. They didn't get the memo because it looks like they started all of their usual starters and they just went to town on poor Dartmouth. Uh, I predicted this would be nine to one, but apparently I was being generous. Uh, Texas A&M won fences five to nothing, and they won the flat five to nothing. So for you Alabama fans listening, that equals a final score of ten to nothing. Uh, for Dartmouth, we kind of expected this result. This is what you get sometimes when you see these cross divisional meets. Uh, but still, it was a good opportunity for them to see how they stack up against a larger program. It was a huge performance for the for the Aggies. Uh, the only thing they didn't do well was fill out their score sheet. They didn't bother writing down any of the zeros that uh, Dartmouth earned. And so in the golden score sheet, the Texas A&M lost a bunch of uh, deduction points for that. And speaking of which, let's take a look at the The golden Golden score sheet sheet award standings. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, the golden score sheet award is a competition where each week I review all the official score sheets and I award deductions or bonus points based on the number of errors that I find or if they do that one bonus where they put the home team on the right. Every team begins this season with 100 points, and at the end of the season, the team or teams with the highest point totals will win an actual award from me commemorating their achievement in outstanding records keepings. Now, not writing down zeros and blanks continues to thwart so many teams. Texas A&M, as I mentioned, was the worst offender. They swept Dartmouth in both events, so they didn't feel the need to write down any of them dang zeros, and boy, that really hit them with deductions. They lost 18 points uh, just for that one score sheet because they didn't write down any of the zeros for the thing. They didn't total up any of the zeros. And then in the darn final score, they just left it as 10 to blank. So yeah, that's not how you fill out a score sheet. Now SMU, they lost uh, six points. They previously were perfect with their score sheets, but they got some deductions because they were missing zeros on their score sheet. So that means that Sacred Heart is now the only team that has hosted a meet that has 100 points still remaining. So they turned in two score sheets last semester and they were both perfect. And as fate would have it, the Pioneers do not have any more home meets this spring, or at least they're not on the schedule. So if that ends up holding true, we know they're going to get 100 points. 
But hold on, that doesn't mean they've wrapped up the victory because, as you know, if a team correctly puts the home team on the right-hand side of the score sheet instead of on the left-hand side, like you would do if you're just vain and you want to always put yourself first, um, then if you put it on the right like it's an American standard, uh, then you will get a bonus of five points. Now, currently, TCU is the only team that is doing this, so they're getting their five-point bonuses. Uh, and here's the thing, TCU, they lost a lot of points earlier when they weren't, they were leaving zeros and all that stuff out. Um, so they are now currently 14 points behind Sacred Heart. But if they turn in three more score sheets uh, that are perfect and they get that the five point bonus, that's 15 points. So that would put them ahead of Sacred Heart. So we're going to keep an eye on TCU, see if they can turn in some uh, perfect score sheets. They actually didn't do it this weekend. They left off a zero. So they got one point deduction plus the five bonus points. So they only got a, a net gain of four points. So whoever's doing the TCU score sheet, man, you better fill in those zeros because that is the only thing that is going to keep you um, uh, from winning the Golden Score Sheet Award, it looks like. So we'll see how that goes. Um, th and there are other teams out there who have lost one or two points over the season. And uh, if any of them would start putting the home team on the right, they would have the potential to jump over Sacred Heart as well. So it's still up to, there's, most teams are still in the running. There are certain teams who are um, so far down the list in the standings that even if they had perfect score sheets and bonuses, they still wouldn't catch Sacred Heart. Some teams are out of it, but most teams are still in it. We'll see how that goes. So from all that, you can tell it was a very exciting weekend. And let's look at the impact all of that had on the official, the official Auburn, Auburn Elvis, Elvis College Equestrian Ranking. Now, number one is TCU. <laughs> the frog showed that not all undefeated records are created equal with their home thrashing of Delaware State. TCU is now the last remaining undefeated team in the sport, and they're likely going to stay that way for a while. Number two is Texas A&M. The Aggies showed no mercy to Dartmouth, and even though that jumping seat only win does not count for the Aggies, I'm sure it felt good. <laughs> and it certainly gave them a lot of confidence heading into the strength of their dual discipline schedule. At number three, we have SMU. The Mustangs also smacked down Delaware State, and then they did the same thing to South Dakota State for good measure. Like all the top-tier teams, the Mustangs look outstanding at home. Number four is Auburn. The Tigers were idle this past week, but they hit the road and visit South Carolina this Saturday. That meet is going to tell us a lot about where each of those teams should be ranked. Number five is Georgia. The Bulldogs came up just a tiny bit short against Baylor. And right now, I'm unclear if their uncharacteristically poor jumping seat showing is something that we should worry about. So even though that particular meet was not a great result overall, Georgia still has a better resume than the next team in the rankings. And that next team, number six, is South Carolina. Gamecocks rode an inter-squad scrimmage this weekend to get ready for the spring, uh, and this weekend's visit from Auburn is going to be their big chance to climb back up in the rankings. At number seven, we have Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls were idle this week, but they climbed one position in the rankings because of Delaware State's losses. Honestly, Oklahoma State would have probably lost both of those too, but earlier in the fall, the Cowgirls beat Baylor in Waco, and that makes their resume just a little bit better than Delaware State's right now. At number eight, we have Delaware State. 
picking up a pair of road losses to TCU and SMU isn't that bad, but now that they're not undefeated, more focus falls on the Hornets' resume, and they really need a marquee road win if they want to improve in their rankings. And it's not fair, but we know that either Baylor or Fresno State are going to get at least one more win since they face each other, and then they're going to have the Big 12 tournament, which will guarantee one of them to get another win there. Meanwhile, the best remaining team on the Hornets schedule is UT Martin, so Delaware State really needs to beat the Skyhawks on the road to stay in the hunt for a trip to Ocala. And speaking of Ocala, I think those eight teams would be in the tournament if the season ended today. But since the season does not end today, let's take a look at two other teams trying to get into the top eight. At number nine, we have Baylor. The Bears finally got the performance from their jumping seat squad that we've been looking for. Even though it was a home meet, beating Georgia is impressive enough to get them back into the conversation about Ocala. We'll see if they can keep up this recent success. At number 10, we have Fresno State. The Bulldogs were idle this week, yet they're going to drop one spot because of Baylor's big win over Georgia. Fresno State's win over SMU is technically better, but since the Bears beat the Bulldogs in the fall, I give Baylor the nod over Fresno State this week. But don't worry, both of these teams are going to have a chance to impress later in the spring. And even though this next team dropped out of the rankings this week, I want to mention UT Martin. The Skyhawks had a neutral site victory over Baylor in the fall and made it a really tough move for me to jump the Bears over them in the rank in the rankings. But I did it since UT Martin just doesn't have any other eye-opening wins. Like Delaware State, life is not fair for the Skyhawks. They beat Baylor, but their remaining schedule doesn't have much opportunity for them to impress. They could possibly still go to Ocala if they lose on the road, but they're going to have to win all their remaining meets, including the ECAC tournament. But, as we saw last season, the NCEA voters just don't put a lot of stock in having that on a team's resume. Now, when we look at the single-discipline teams, all we had this week was Dartmouth getting destroyed by Texas A&M, so nothing has really changed in those rankings, so I'm going to give you those pretty quickly. Here they are. Lynchburg. Sweetbriar, Dartmouth, and then you have Sacred Heart, Swanee, Bridgewater, and then kind of in a group below them, you have College of Charleston and Barry College. Okay, so now let's look into the future and talk about some, some meet, meet previews. So the first meet that we have to look at is Fresno State at TCU. I got to tell you, I don't hold out a lot of hope at Fresno State winning on the road against TCU. It could happen, but it just, it probably won't. I think Fences is going to go 4-1 to for TCU, Flat will go 4-1 to for TCU, Horsemanship will go 5 nothing for TCU, and Raining will go 4-1 to for TCU. You add all that up and I ex expect we're going to see 17-3 to in a blowout win for the Frogs. Next up is Bridgewater College at Sweetbriar College. I think this is going to be tough for the Eagles. I think Fences goes 5 nothing for Sweetbriar and Flat goes 4-1 to for Sweetbriar. So that would be a 9-1 to Sweetbriar win, I think. 
Next is Fresno State at SMU. Just like their road trip to uh, TCU, I think about the same thing's going to happen when they go visit SMU. I think fences will go 4-1 to one for SMU. I think flat will go 4 nothing for SMU. I think horsemanship will go 4 nothing for SMU. And I think reigning will go 3-2 to two for SMU. Add all that up, and I think we're looking at a 15-3 to three SMU win. And then our last meet of the week is a big one. Auburn at South Carolina. Now, I'm just going to tell you, the stats are going to like Auburn here. But the Tigers have just got to be careful. They have not looked great on the road. Other than that Baylor victory, which came at a time when everyone was beating Baylor, um, you're going to recall that Auburn almost lost on the road to UST Martin in the fall, and they did not do well against uh, Texas A&M and SMU. So if they start giving away points in matchups that they're favored in, then Auburn is going to lose to South Carolina this week. But the stats don't really think about things like that, so let's see what the stats predict. I think Fences goes 3-2 for Auburn. I think the flat goes 3-2 for South Carolina. I think Horsemanship goes 4-1 for Auburn. And I think Reigning ends up in a 2-2 tie. Add that up, and I think Auburn wins another close road meet 11-8. But of course, no one knows what is really going to happen. That's why you got to tune in to next week's podcast. And that's all for this week's episode. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Well, thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.